So if you missed it, a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul, says Reverend Michael Beckwith. And the entire year 1988 was bad for my ego. That was the year the woman with whom I expected to share the rest of my life broke up with me. And that same year, I also lost my roommates, my apartment, my record label, my book publisher, my agent, my office assistant, my counseling class, my hair, that was the year that I began to notice, my confidence in the climate, my confidence in the survival of the human species. One night in my new apartment on Aberdeen Avenue, I dropped to the floor and lay there wailing. A few weeks later in a bookstore in Asheville, North Carolina, my hand was drawn to a slim paperback by a Vietnamese monk. Opening to the first page, I read, suffering is not enough. Life is filled with suffering, it said, but it is also filled with many wonders like the blue sky, the sunshine, and the eyes of a baby. To suffer is not enough. We must also be in touch with the wonders of life. They are within us and all around us, everywhere, anytime. The book was Being Peace, the author Thich Nhat Hanh. I've been blessed with many teachers in my life, none more important to me than Thich Nhat Hanh or Thai, as he is known to his students. Thai means teacher in Vietnamese. Encountering his teaching first in that bookstore and later on retreats with him and as a member of his community of interbeing ignited in me a spiritual awakening. It made me a better human being, and it still does. Born in central Vietnam in 1926, Thich Nhat Hanh became a novice monk at the age of 16. He was one of the first monks there to ride a bicycle. When war came to Vietnam, Thai founded the Engaged Buddhism Movement to bridge the contemplative life of the monastic and activism in the struggle for peace. Ever since, he has seen inner and outer transformation as inseparable. In 1966, he traveled to the United States to call for an end to the war. There he met Martin Luther King Jr., who would nominate him for the Nobel Peace Prize. When Thai sought to return to his homeland, the warring governments of North and South Vietnam both denied him entry. For four decades, he lived in exile, mostly in France. During this time, he wrote over a hundred books of poetry, fiction, and philosophy, advocated for peace, justice, and earth care, and brought his mindfulness teachings personally to hundreds of thousands around the world. Only the 14th Dalai Lama has had more influence in interpreting Buddhism to the West. When I first met Thai, in 1991, at a retreat he offered for environmentalists, 
I immediately understood why American Zen master Richard Baker Roshi described him as a cross between a cloud, a snail, and a piece of heavy machinery. (laughs) A true religious presence. Tai walked the walk, literally. Rereading Tai's books today, I am in awe of the subversive, even revolutionary power of his ideas. The foundation of Tai's teaching is interbeing. This is because that is, he says. The self is made up of non-self elements. I am because you are. You are because I am. We inter-are. This is the essence, of course, of the seventh principle of Unitarian Universalism, the interdependent web of all existence. It means that none of us, none of us, is other. None of us is extranjero. None of us is disposable. In his simple prose style with a typically vivid metaphor, Tai penetrates to the heart of the matter. Defiled or immaculate, he writes in Peace is Every Step, dirty or pure, these are concepts we form in our mind. A beautiful rose we've just cut and placed in our vase is pure. It smells so good, so fresh. A garbage can is the opposite. It smells horrible and is filled with rotten things. But that is only when we look on the surface. If we look more deeply, we will see that in just five or six days, the rose will become part of the garbage. We don't need to wait five days to see it. If we look at the rose and we look deeply, we can see it now. And if we look into the garbage can, we see that in a few months its contents can be transformed into lovely vegetables and even a rose. If you're a good organic gardener, looking at a rose, you can see the garbage. And looking at the garbage, you can see the rose. Roses and garbage inter-are. Without a rose, we cannot have garbage, and without garbage, we cannot have a rose. They need each other very much. The rose and the garbage are equal. The garbage is just as precious as the rose. Interbeing compels compassion. Understanding and love, Tai insists, are not two things but just one. So he invites us in meditation to imagine our father, my father, your father, as a five-year-old child, our mother as a five-year-old child, fragile and vulnerable, and to smile to them with understanding and love. I have used this same meditation to soften my heart toward those who afflict me, 
from personal adversaries to President George W. Bush when he was in office. If Thich Nhat Hanh's philosophy is interbeing, his practice is mindfulness, simply paying attention to what is. For Thai, meditation is not a retreat from reality, but a communion with reality. When we sit in meditation and realize we're angry about something, for instance, Thai advises us to admit it. Breathing in, I know I am angry. Breathing out, I know there is anger in me. Even as I recognize my anger, I recall that I am more than just my anger. And as I recall that I am more than my anger, my anger begins to subside and I can think more clearly about what to do and what not to do. Tai believes that to be effective, activists must be emotionally and spiritually grounded. As individuals, he writes, we feel helpless, despairing. Injustice is so widespread, the danger is close. In this kind of a situation, if we panic, things will only become worse. We need to remain calm, to see clearly. Meditation is to be aware and to try to help. In Vietnam, there are many people called boat people who leave the country in small boats. Often the boats are caught in rough seas or storms. The people may panic and boats may sink. But if even one person aboard, Thai writes, can remain calm, lucid, knowing what to do and what not to do, he or she can help the boat survive. Their expression, face, voice, communicates clarity and calmness, and people have trust in that person. They will listen to what that person says. One such person can save the lives of many. Compared with the cosmos, Tai continues, our planet is a very small boat. Humankind has become a very dangerous species. We need people who can sit still and be able to smile who can walk peacefully. We need people like that in order to save us. Each of you is that person. On one of my retreats with Ty, I heard a story. I don't know whether it's true or not. The story went that a student had come upon Ty during a break and discovered him eating some food while he was reading a book. Given Tai's teaching on mindful eating and doing one thing at a time with complete awareness, the student was shocked. Tai smiled gently and said, I too am not perfect. Thich Nhat Hanh is now 88 years old. Exactly two months ago, on November 11th, he suffered a severe brain hemorrhage. Soon after, he went into a coma. 
For days he lingered near death. In recent weeks, Ty has returned to wakefulness, recognizing familiar faces and smiling at shared memories. Though he cannot yet speak, his followers are hopeful he may fully recover. However long he may live, Thich Nhat Hanh is not afraid of death. When conditions are sufficient, he says simply, things manifest. When conditions are no longer sufficient, things withdraw. They wait until the moment is right for them to manifest again. When his mother died, Tai recalls, he suffered for a long time. But one night in the highlands of Vietnam, I was sleeping in the hut in my hermitage. I dreamed of my mother. I saw myself sitting with her and we were having a wonderful talk. She looked young and beautiful, her hair flowing down. It was so pleasant to sit there and talk as if she had never died. When I woke up, it was about two in the morning, and I felt very strongly that I had never lost my mother. I understood then that the idea of having lost my mother was just an idea. It was obvious in that moment that my mother is always alive in me. I opened the door and went outside. Walking slowly in the moonlight through the rows of tea plants, I noticed my mother was still with me. She was the moonlight, caressing me, as she had done so often, very tenderly, very sweet, wonderful. Each time my feet touched the earth, I knew my mother was there with me. I knew this body was not mine alone, but a living continuation of my mother and father and my grandparents and great-grandparents of all my ancestors. These feet that I saw as my feet were actually our feet. Together, my mother and I were leaving footprints in the damp soil. From that moment on, the idea that I had lost my mother no longer existed. All I had to do was look at the palm of my hand, feel the breeze on my face or the earth under my feet to remember that my mother is always with me, available at any time. To comfort the dying Tai adapted a verse from Buddhist scripture and turned it into a song. This body is not me. I am not caught in this body. I am life without boundaries. I have never been born, and I have never died. Over there, the wide ocean and the sky with many galaxies, all manifests 
from the basis of consciousness. Since beginningless time, I have always been free. Birth and death are only a door through which we go in and out. Birth and death are only a game of hide and seek. So smile to me and take my hand and wave goodbye. Tomorrow we shall meet again or even before. We shall always be meeting again at the true source. Always meeting again on the myriad paths of life. Amen. Ashe. And blessed be.